0: Wednesday morning, when you show up and you've got a new game plan, you've got Raiders film on the TV, um, it definitely allows you to move forward. But nothing helps you move forward better than a win. You know, when you go back, you know, on Sunday, and if you can find a way to get a win, then you really feel like okay, everything's right with the world again, and uh, let's get back on track. And welcome
1: to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, Mark back as your host, and Kirk. Uh, let's get right to the uh, the elephant in the room, as they say. You've had time. Uh, and the opportunity to review uh, your crucial fourth-quarter interception on Sunday. Did it look on tape the way you saw it in your mind in that split second when you threw that football?
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the ball has to be thrown away. There wasn't enough of a play there to be made that it justifies the throw. And, um, you know, my thought was kind of give our guy a chance but make sure that it's in a safe spot, and it clearly wasn't, you know. And, and so, uh, um I certainly, when I get in that situation again, the ball's got to go in the stands. And, um, you know, I had seven throwaways yesterday, and I needed to have eight. And, uh, unfortunately, the eighth one wasn't a throwaway. It didn't get out. It didn't get out of bounds, and um, we paid for it dearly.
1: You were backpedaling as that play progressed. Did you? Was there a m- moment there where you saw Diggs open, and they were trying to get the ball to him? Or were you just thinking, uh, Were you You were trying to throw it to him. You were trying to throw it away.
0: Yeah, there. There. I mean, he obviously is a slight step ahead of the of the defensive back and and um and so you are tempted i guess but um still just not enough of a justification to put it out there where it can be defended and um there's just you know 8 yard line first down to throw it away your second down from the 8 yard line and you're feeling good about your opportunity there and um um it's just uh, a head scratcher very frustrating and um um you know you have to move forward you look at uh, at film all the
1: time you have meetings practice uh, game situations you study the playbook over and over again kirk and those are the moments that define a quarterback and when you when your yeah. instincts take over right. uh, that 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 just can't sit well with you as, as you no.
0: say. oh yeah it's um it, you know sometimes i've i found you want to win the game so badly that you start to make decisions that you don't normally make and um you know in practice um you're just out there running place. You don't really have the emotion of the game tied in, and in practice, you find yourself throwing it away. You know, playing for the next play, just just kind of not forcing anything. And then you get in the game, and you're tempted by the end zone and the chance to win the game and the chance to, uh, you know, make something happen. And and uh, sometimes you overdo it, and uh, and so that I think was an example of just trying to do too much. And instead of just letting it be second down and uh, try to score from there,
1: the Vikings were gashing the Packers uh, with the run at that point. It looks like they were gassed. Uh, right. and yet uh, you decided to—they decided the coaches did to, to call a first down pass. Uh, were you surprised at the call? Or did you feel that something was going? to Well, be
0: there? I knew after you know you have five six runs in a row, there is a chance you could get them off balance with a with a play action. Um, so not surprised. I think that. Uh, you know whether we had run it seven, eight, nine times in a row, you're still gonna at some point have to throw the ball or think to throw the ball or change it up or keep them off balance. And whenever you do it, it might be the the, the key is that you don't put your coaches in a position to have to think about that or answer that question. You know, throw the ball away, and uh, it's not even talked about, and and no one's thinking about it. And, and all we're talking about is how productive the run game was on that final drive. It,
1: it, it was only game two. The Vikings are one and one, but that moment. Uh... As you can imagine, fueled the fans' narrative that Kirk Cousins sure. hasn't proven that he can lift this team on sure. the road. Uh, is it a fair assessment?
0: Well, I think you got to you know you got to go by what the sample size is, and until until we you know beat winning teams consistently, until until um, you know I do it consistently, game in and game out, week in and week out, then then they have every right to say that to do that, and uh, it's my job to go out and play well enough where that dies down. And until that happens, you know, um, I'm not going to stand up here and, and try to, you know, defend myself. I think it's best to take it and say, hey, it's my job to go out and play better and, and earn the right to, um, you know, to have that not be in the conversation.
1: And the real next opportunity uh, will be at Chicago in two right.
0: weeks. yeah, uh, yeah more, great opportunity. More so than this, than this game. Yeah, hard to get ahead of yourself with the Raiders coming to town. But, um, you know, I think what you realize is these games all count as one. Atlanta's win was one. Uh, the loss to Green Bay is one. And with 14 games left in just the regular season, um, the narrative is going to still be written. And uh, there's a lot of football left to be played. I remember where we were sitting at this point last year at 1-0-1. And then to think where the season ended, um, you know, I would have never thought it would have ended the way it did. So, um, you know, there's a lot of football left, and that's what's going to ultimately tell the story.
1: The Packers came out and, and smacked you guys in the mouth pretty good. Uh, they had an extra four days off, looked like... Uh... They had some things ready for the Viking defense that they hadn't seen, and before you know it, early in the second quarter, you're down 21-0. So yeah. the team did show the resolve, led by Dalvin Cook, and mm-hmm. you yeah, threw a great pass to, to Stefan Diggs to get you back in the game. Going
2: deep for Diggs. In the air. Diggs has him. It's a Viking touchdown.
1: His first catch of the game. There's one of the things that Mike Patton was really worried about. He said if Kirk Cousins has a clean pocket, he can throw the ball as well as anybody. So they always wanted him to feel uncomfortable in that pocket. Does that make it even all the more frustrating because you had that opportunity to come back, which would have been just a monumental victory in Lambeau?
0: Yeah, I almost forgot that we were down twenty-one nothing because we did come back. Our defense was so stout in the second half, and for so much of the second half, we felt like we had a great chance to win the football game. And so you forget where you even started. But um, yeah, it just didn't out the gates. Didn't go the way we wanted. You know, we had run six plays on offense, gotten down into field goal range, and and uh, next thing you know, it was fourteen nothing. And and that's obviously, you know, you're digging yourself out of a hole after you running six plays and having what you felt was a productive drive. Uh, to be down 14 nothing was tough, but that's NFL football. And I knew that, you know, with the players we had, the team we had, the playmakers, um, no reason to think we couldn't get right back in it. And um, the reality is if you don't turn the ball over, there, there's a lot of plays where you feel like we're unforced errors, and if you don't have them, um, there's no reason to think we couldn't have come back and won that game.
1: Does it feel good to be able to stick to the game plan? I mean, the game is still within reach. Uh, right. And you, with Dalvin Cook, this right. explosive play, yeah. uh, the Vikings were right, right back in it. Hand off Dalvin Cook, makes a man miss. He has a safety to beat. It's Darnell Savage. And he beat him. Dalvin Cook to the 30. And he's a loose.
3: Touchdown!
0: Yeah, Dalvin Cook had um, a whale of a game. He's shown now for these two games, going, obviously going back to last season as well, but these two games especially how how uh, special he is as a player, what he could do for us this year, and I know our coaches and our team is really excited about the potential that exists when he touched the foot, touches the football, and he'd be a big reason why we would be able to have a great year this year. So, in a really tough loss with a lot of frustrating things. Dalvin Cook was certainly a bright spot.
1: You were missing Pat Elfline. You had some depth
0: in that offensive line, which, uh, yeah. again, they, they did their job. Dakota Dozier played outstanding at left guard and stepped up, uh, and I thought our O-line did as well. I think there was only one sack or two sacks maybe, but uh, uh, they did a great job.
1: There was a touchdown pass you threw to, to Diggs, a short one, and everyone's hands up in the air, touchdown, yeah. hit, and then all of a sudden the refs aren't calling anything on the field. I'm watching it on television a lot of, like a lot of fans.
3: First and goal from the three, Cousins, shotgun, center of the field, what, digs, touchdown, Stephon Diggs! There we go. Three-yard touchdown score, Cousins, digs.
1: 107 to go in the first half, 21-13, Packers. And there's a review, and they come back and say that Dalvin Cook was called for offensive pass interference. In
2: Green Bay, the ruling on the field of a touchdown was overturned due to the fact that number 33, clear and obvious visual evidence that he blocks downfield, prior to the ball being touched. Therefore, the ruling on the field of touchdown was negated, and an offensive pass interference flag was put on the ground from New York.
1: So what's your feeling when you're, first of all, on the sidelines, and then as you're watching the tape again today?
0: Well, it's a tough call. I know the NFL seems to be wanting to emphasize that offensive pass interference this year, and they certainly have. <laughs> They've certainly emphasized it. Um you know that was a, obviously a, a big play in the game, and ended up you know we weren't able to get a touchdown after that, so we lost lost some points there. But uh, Are those wonderful moments
1: that Mike Zimmer and your You know, we don't know. A, you know, I well, guess we're gonna, we're gonna tell,
0: tell Dalvin to I guess you know try to pump your arms and sell yourself as a route runner more than than you even thought you were. Uh, there was nothing in the play that said go pick somebody. We never told him to do that. He's just supposed to run a an over route through the end zone and. There happens to be 22 guys in a small space, and the odds of you having to run around somebody through somebody pretty high, especially if he wants to run into you. So um, I
1: don't know what to tell Dalvin
0: there. When
1: you look at the uh, stat sheet when it's all said and done, maybe on the the charter flight home from Green Bay, uh, the the red zone and third down conversions, uh, are those the most important, two of the most important stats you'd like to look at?
0: Yeah, there'll always be key, key stats to winning and losing football games. And 0 for 2 in the red zone, coupled with Green Baby and 3 for 3 is a, is a dagger. And then, uh, uh, you know, third downs, both teams weren't very strong on third down, so that sort of washed itself out. And then, obviously, turnovers. Uh, we had four, the fourth one being the one in the last play of the game, but, but three that, you know, were, were really, really um, impactful in the game. So,
1: how excited are you to just kind of wash your hands of this and get back to work?
0: Yeah, I think the key is that you don't allow these mistakes to continue. And its I'm sure fans hear that and they're frustrated because they feel like they have been allowed to continue. But uh, that's thats what's so important is that you can't just say, oh, let's go back to work and then show up next Sunday and it's more the same or next several Sundays. And so the key is that we play a better brand of football going forward. Um, I do think our team is very talented. I think that uh, we've shown it in flashes, but um, – you know, it has to be over, over four quarters, over a 16-game season. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe in our guys, I believe in our locker room and, and what we can do here in this in these 14 games up ahead.
1: It was a pretty extraordinary performance after the first quarter plus by your defense to shut out Aaron Rodgers on his home field. And when it's all said and done, right. the Packers have scored 31 points, I think, this year, and they're 2-0, Yeah. Uh, yet your defense... Uh, Man, that that they did show something. Uh, oh yeah, first...
0: no, yeah, I, I found myself walking away. Yeah, you can talk about being down twenty-one nothing, but like I said earlier, I forgot that. I mean, I was so focused on what our defense did for three out of four quarters, uh, and how they played and the way they got us back in the game, really. And so, uh, I found myself saying, "Man, I love our defense. I love our pass rush. I love what our guys are doing in coverage." And. And when you get that kind of an effort, I think we, I feel really good about our team going forward as a result of that.
1: Mike Zimmer, I think, made the comment after the game, but we're going to continue mentioning you to, to, to coach you up the, the way we want you to play. Is, how do you take those words from the head coach?
0: Well, you know, I, it's not a mystery as to how the game played out and what I need to do better. And so I fully expect to be coached. I fully expect to be, you know, told what to do better and, and I expect to take it you know with humility and to learn from it and apply it and um, you know I, I was the first one to say yesterday you know it's just not good enough in the quarterback position and uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to putting up a better better outing this coming Sunday and um, you know excited about the year we have ahead
1: All right Kirk we'll take a break at that and we'll come back I know you have a special conversation with Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkenton stay with us under under Center with Kirk Cousins. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And then, Kirk, you had a chance this offseason to uh, spend some time with the Hall of Famer, uh, the man who made his mark uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, in particular under head coach Bud Grant, uh, number, first uh, quarterback really to, to start for the Vikings and then beat the Chicago Bears back in 1961, right. the one and only Fran Tarkenton. What was that experience like for you?
0: Well, it was a bit of a pinch me moment just to get to spend time with somebody who, as you said, is so iconic, you know, a gold jacket. Um, you know, he really was the Peyton Manning when he retired in terms of having every record in the book and having done it for so long. And, so, and then he's also had so much success in other areas of life uh, beyond just football. So great to pick his brain, hear his stories, talk to him. He's got a lot of energy for someone who's 79 years old. And, um, you know, it's a great picture of what I want to chase after in terms of, you know, production on the field, um, a legacy you can leave. And then even you know how productive you can be when you're done playing, and uh, the energy and the health you can have when you're in your late 70s. So, um, you know he's lived a great life, and it was a great conversation.
1: He was surrounded by some great talent here with the Minnesota Vikings, not initially, but as time wore on, and then he was traded to the New York Giants, came back, had some great years with the Minnesota Vikings, but was always told maybe he was too small to play the game. Like a lot of quarterbacks, even like yourself, we're told you're not good enough in this area, this area, or this area to make it, all of a sudden, uh, he's wearing that gold jacket in Canton, Ohio. Yeah,
0: you just, just tough times don't last, tough people do. you got to stay the course. And he, as I've heard his stories, he really vouched for himself. Uh, when he felt like he wasn't prepared for a game, he went to the coach and made sure he got prepared. When he uh, didn't feel good about the situation in with the New York Giants, he asked to be allowed to go back to the Vikings. So, he really vouched for himself and made sure that if things weren't lining up, that he did what he had to do to to get them lined up. And, um, you know, his career tells that story, certainly.
1: There are some uh, very elusive quarterbacks playing the game today. Russell Wilson <laughs> comes to mind. Maybe a little Patrick Mahomes. You throw in a couple other guys as well. But there's a reason why they called uh, Fran the Scrambling Man, because he was uh, – he exasperated defensive linemen trying to chase him all over the field.
0: Yeah, and he didn't run around to run; he ran around to throw. And he told me, his whether it's true or not, his forty time was about a four nine, which is not <laughs> that fast even by the standards back then. And, and so he really just found a way; he had a knack for it. Um, I did ask him specifically about that because it is a, such a key part of playing the position and having a natural feel for that. And um, you know, he just said that. Sometimes in the pocket, it just wasn't that easy for him to throw, and he felt like if he could get out, run around, uh, that better things happened. And if you watch NFL films, you know it tells it proves him right. I mean, it, those are fun clips to watch when you see his best scrambles of of his career.
1: Yeah, he was something to watch. Let's get right into that conversation now. Kirk Cousins, along with Hall of Famer Fran Tarkenton.
0: Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. I'm your host, Kirk Cousins, and. Uh, our next guest is an iconic guest with the Minnesota Vikings. We're thrilled to have him on. Uh, Fran Tarkenton is on the line. He played 18 seasons in the National Football League, was a nine time pro bowler, a pro football hall of famer, a gold jacket, as we, as we say, an NFL MVP and offensive player of the year in 1975. His number 10 is retired here by the Minnesota Vikings. His passing yards, touchdowns, many of the major quarterback statistics were all Uh, the best in the league, in the history of the league, when he retired. He was like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady combined at the time that he retired with all the records he held. And uh, he's a very, very special player, but also a very special person. So, Fran, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on.
3: Uh, My pleasure. And I want Joyce to hear this about you. I did a five-hour stint with NFL Films today telling stories about my my generation. I could take him all the way down to the Bronco Nagurskis and, and Otto Graham's and, and the people that played in the 30s and the, and the 40s. And, and I made the point to him that the, I probably wouldn't have made it in pro football without great coaching and great mentoring, not only from mm. the coaches I played for like Bud Grant, but you know I, I learned from Sid Luckman, a Hall of Fame quarterback, an Otto Graham Hall of Fame quarterback. Why he did a Hall of Fame quarterback? Because I constantly looked them up and constantly asked questions and so forth. And if I didn't have that mentoring, I wasn't open to that kind of coaching, I probably wouldn't have had a career. Hmm. And, yeah. and, I, and I told them in the in the thing today that the only quarterback since I have retired a hundred years ago that's ever come to me to ask for any advice was Kurt Cousins six months ago.
0: <laughs> well, it was convenient because I was in Atlanta. But uh, the more I learned about you once I got here to Minnesota last year, the more I was I was impressed. I, I, I think, you know, they, NFL Network and those kinds of things, I knew about your days as a player, but I had no idea about all your success after you were done playing, and that also fired me up to hear how you were able to have success in so many areas of yep. life. And, uh, you know, my dad always taught me to be a question asker, and so I love to learn from people and ask questions. And one of the things I picked yep. up from you as I spoke with you was – you were a question asker all your life. You were a lifelong learner, and uh, and I took that with me after I left speaking with you. But I remember the story you told about your very first season feeling like you weren't quite ready to play, and so you went over to the head coach, Norman Brocklin's home, and had dinner with him to learn the system better. And then, sure enough, you came in uh, the very first game and led the team to a victory. And that was just a great lesson for me about preparation, about finding a way to get it done, not making excuses, but, but pursuing knowledge and asking questions. I thought that was a great story and, and uh, really shined a light on who you are as a person. But do well, uh, you, you, yeah. you.
3: I remember that. Let me say this I'm 79 years old, and I'm learning at a faster rate than I've ever learned in my life. Not only am I mentoring and coaching people in business and football, but I'm learning at a faster rate and the opportunities out there in this country, in the business world, are just extraordinary. And because I'm having this learning and I can go into the digital, uh, the technology age that we're in today, we're doing, we're building better businesses, more profitable businesses, helping more people than we've ever done in our life. And, and mm-hmm. that's because... I have never thought I had all the answers. When you think you have all the answers, you cannot learn anymore. You go right down the
0: tube. Now I, I couldn't believe when I met with you at seventy nine years old how much energy and passion you still have for all that you do. How do you explain having the energy and the passion that you have? <laughs> well,
3: you know, I, I tell people in business, you know, in, in, in football, in in my generation, there was no protocol of, 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 of working out. We didn't work out in the off season. We we didn't think about diet and so forth. In this generation that you're in, you guys are are really working on, you know, working uh, yourself in, in, in mentally and physically and 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 getting more fit to be able to go. Business people, I tell today, if you if you don't have energy and if you're not fit, if you don't have good nutrition habits, if you don't keep your weight under control, if you don't keep moving and and keep yourself in shape, you're not going to have the energy to be able. To do what you want to do as you advance in age. Yeah. And at my age, you know, I haven't. Uh, I played my last game at one ninety five. Uh, I weighed one eighty three this morning. I'm mm-hmm. fit. I eat properly. I work out. I, I take care of myself, that's which great. gives me energy. So the business guys you're talking to out there, that's the thing. I mean, you guys are breaking records that that, that we used to have. We thought were great. You're destroying those records. You're more more prolific. You're more – but it's because you guys are really more fit and you take care of your body and your mind better than we did in my generation. Good lesson for your listeners.
0: Amen. And and we're standing on the shoulders of giants like yourself. You know, as you look back on your career, uh, I'm sure you don't miss the frigid cold temperatures of a game at the Met or – uh, you know training camp long days or getting hit, but what are the pieces of professional football or playing football in general that that you really miss and you look back and say, boy, uh, Kirk, cherish those moments don't don't just let them go by because they're special and, and when you're done it you're done.
3: Well here it is. you know for all the my career, uh, you know I played in uh, three of the first eleven uh, three of the first ten super Bowls set the records played 18 years, only missed five games because of injury in 18 years. I look back, it's not the victories and it's not the uh, awards I got. It's, it's the people I played with, the coaches that I interacted with, the players I built a relationship with, both on my team and other teams. And my relationships continue that way with mm. my teammates, the people I played against. Those are the most meaningful things in life. Mm. And life is about reaching out and helping each other and having great friendships and great relationships, when that can happen, you, you bring joy to other people's lives, which brings joy to, to our lives. And That's what I took yeah. out of the 18 years of uh, NFL football.
0: Hey Amen. It's hard to replace that locker room camaraderie once you move on from it. But, uh, you know, of, of the many things I learned from you, one of the football tips I took away from our conversation this past winter was Uh, Because I I ran a 4-9 at the NFL Combine, and you told me you ran a 4-9. And so you said, really, I was a scrambling quarterback, Kirk, but when you look at it, I wasn't necessarily fast. I ran around to throw and to make plays with my arm and just bought time with my feet. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I've actually been starting to – scramble a little bit more. Coach Zimmer even came over the other day and said, hey, I like how you're using your feet and moving around more. And so I took that to heart and I said, hey, I, I may be a four nine guy as well, but if Fran Tarkenton was able to be known as a scrambler, I should be able to make a play or two off schedule. Well, so I'm incorporating that in my game a little bit, and I have you to thank. I think,
3: I think that's great because I really think the day of the pocket quarterback, of the Tom Brady and the, and the Peyton Manning and, and, and even Drew Brees in this generation, I think it's it's too hard. That's a hard. It is team. tough. <laughs> it is so able tough to be able if you're able to go out and buy some time to get out of the pocket, in the pocket, step in, step out, and, 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 and buy some more time to throw the ball down the field. Or if you could pick up a, a first down when they when linebackers are running in double coverage down the field, you've got big gaps <laughs> to run in. That I think is I think that's what's going to happen. I think right now you've got mobility. And you, you look at the the, the Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. He's got mobility. They they drafted a five foot eight quarterback from Oklahoma, Collarberry. Right. Uh, you know, the first first pick of the draft. He all of them can throw. You can throw. They can throw. But the ones that can add mobility, I think that's the future of, of, of quarterbacking in football. Because if I had to be stuck in the pocket and not do the things that I did, I would have never accomplished what I did.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree at all. That's a really good analysis. Now. uh... It would seem like with your success uh, in in business after you're done playing and in television and a lot of other things that uh, you had a very easy transition from football to, quote-unquote, retirement or or other things. Did you see that when you were leaving football? Did you know, boy, I've got a ton of opportunities and this is going to be a a, a great deal for me? Or was there a little bit of a, what do I do now?
3: No, none of that. Because every I I I, I had a job every offseason. Gotcha. Uh, I, I worked in, and I made twelve thousand five hundred dollars my first year. My entire career, I made one point two million dollars for eighteen years. And so it wasn't. If I wanted to live a better lifestyle and have sustainable money coming in, I had to go out and do business. I love doing yeah. business. I built businesses, and that's what I've done all my life. And I, I you know, I make, uh, uh, you know, in my worst business year, more more money in one year than I made in eighteen years playing football.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, it sounds like you were ready to go, and it worked out well. Well, uh, you're, you're a great inspiration to me, and uh gives me something to shoot for, too, when I'm done playing. But, uh, you know, as we wrap up, just any thoughts you have on on uh, the NFL this coming season, or specifically the Minnesota Vikings, what you see from our team, any expectations or thoughts yeah. you have as you watch from Atlanta on, on the state of pro football?
3: Kirk, here's the thing I know. You cannot predict the future of, of a team coming into a season or next season Because you look at last year, the proliferation of scoring in the one game, uh, I think L.A. was involved with somebody, maybe Kansas City. You know, like 59-53, 58-53. It was just breaking scoring records and just off the charts. And 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 then you go to the Super Bowl game, and the Super Bowl game, one touchdown was scored. (laughs) There was no offense. It was very boring. And when you think the offense has gotten way ahead of the defense, the defense catches up. It is a good lesson for you and the quarterbacks playing today. It's not a given because the defense is always going to be catching up as we move our offense forward. So we got to constantly be learning, changing, right. experimenting, and being better every year. And and I think that's true for, for all people. And, and I would suggest to you, at 42 years old, Tom Brady is playing as good a football as he's yeah. ever played in his life.
0: Oh, well, there's no and, doubt. Uh,
3: so it, it's a continued lesson. So I think your best years, my friend, are ahead of you. And I think they'll start this year for you.
0: Well, I appreciate that, friend. That's a great encouragement, and uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's always good. I can feel your energy through the phone. I, I just love—I love who you are. I love—I love what you've done with your life. Uh, the, what you've done not only for you and your family, but the wealth and opportunities you've created for countless other people. So, thank you for who you are and for what you mean in Minnesota. And uh, look forward to connecting this next off season in Atlanta. We will, Skull Vikings, Kurt. Amen. All right, we'll see you, friend.
1: Well, a big thank you to Fran Tarkenton for spending some time with us here on Undersetting with Kirk Cousins. Coming up next, speaking, it's a big Legends weekend at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, The 1969-70 Super Bowl team will be here, which includes uh, the one and only wide receiver from Michigan State, Gene Washington. We'll talk to Gene coming up next. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, Mark Rosen, along with the Vikings quarterback. And Kirk, we have a very special guest, someone uh, who means a lot to anyone who went to Michigan State. That's right. Gene Washington, number 84 for the Minnesota Vikings, who played it from 1967 to 1972. Kirk, I'll let you take it away.
0: Yeah, Gene, we're uh, thrilled to have you on, on the line here. But uh, obviously, we go back to your days uh, at Michigan State with that connection. And I got to meet you my senior year when you were being inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, not knowing that we would reconnect when i moved here to minnesota and got to see you at a practice but uh yeah just welcome to the show thanks for coming on
2: well hey my pleasure great uh, great to have the opportunity to talk with you a little bit
0: so i actually ran into gene just about two to three weeks ago i went out to dinner out in lake elmo and uh, my wife and i are at dinner and as we're wrapping up gene and his wife and another couple walk in and i looked over i said there's the great gene washington julie <laughs> and so i went over and said hello it's great to see you
2: yeah, it was very, that was a very fun. time. It was fun seeing you guys. I, uh, you know, that Lake Elmo Inn is near 3M. And I, and That's I, right. I worked, I worked over there at Maplewood for, uh, for 22 years, uh, during the season and after I retired. So, so that was one of our favorite spots. And for us to meet on it, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, that was unreal. Yeah, do do with the timing.
0: Yeah, certainly a different era. You told me that you would work for 3M in the off season, all all uh, winter and spring before you went back for training camp, and then you'd even go over to 3M on off days during the season to work. So that oh, yeah. then, when he retired, it was a very natural transition to just continue on with the job that he had already been carving out. But uh, a very different day. Speaking of a different day, you know, you're from Texas, and part of the reason you went to Michigan State was because of segregation and the opportunity to play at the highest level, because Duffy Doherty, the head coach at Michigan State, was giving uh, people who were being discriminated against the opportunity to play at Michigan State. Can you share a little bit about your journey from a boy growing up in Texas to go all the way to Michigan State, and then really stay up north the rest of your life?
2: Well, well, period well, it all started with Bubba Smith. Uh, Bubba, <laughs> Smith uh, Bubba Smith played in, in Beaumont, Texas, and we played against each other, football and basketball, and and some track. His father was a high school uh, football coach there. And, uh, he, had, he and Duffy, Duffy would put on the, uh, coaching clinics down in Texas and all, all down in the South. And he became very good friends with Coach Smith. And so, uh, bubble as, as you know, bubble was about six six, two hundred eighty five 285 pounds. Everybody in the country wanted bubble Smith. And of course, he couldn't go to the University of Texas because of the certification. And, uh, Finally, he decided that he was going on to Michigan State, and he and he he, to, he spoke with me, and we talked about it. And he said, "Gene, I'll tell Duffy to bring you up, also. I'll make sure that you wow. uh, you get a scholarship." And so, without without that, without Bubba putting a word in for me, I never would have been a Spartan.
0: Well, that was a good decision by Bubba and by <laughs> Duffy Doherty, because you ended up being a two-time first-team All-American. You won a, I believe, two national championships while you while you were there. Uh, those yeah. were really the golden years for Michigan State football. We've had some good years as of late with Mark D'Antonio as the head coach, but those were years oh, yeah. that are going to be hard to beat. And, uh, and then you were a first round draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings. Can you talk about that experience of being drafted and knowing you're going to Minnesota? What, what went through your mind that day?
2: Well, I, well, I they, the draft that they had back in the day when I was at East Lansing, they didn't have the same draft they have here. Uh, what happened, I was on campus in the football area the day of the draft. Uh, me and Clinton and George Webster we were all in the area, and I got a call. Somebody in the office said, Gene, you got a call from Minnesota. So I picked up the phone and uh, while the draft was going on, and somebody on the other end was telling me about the Vikings, and they're so happy to have me that I've been drafted number one and that uh, Bud Grant would be the coach. And so I asked while we were talking. I said, "Well, who am I talking to?" And he said, "My name is My name is Sid Hardman.
0: Oh my gosh, that's outstanding! And
2: so Sid Sid called me, and and about heard about a week later, I heard from the Vikings. A week later, <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's Jim, a... Fink, Jim. Yeah, Jim Fink was, was was having some some health issues. They told me later, but uh, but that keep in mind that was the first draft of the National Football League. Uh, because they used to have two teams, you know, the, the American Football League and also the National Football League. See, they had two two leagues wow. at the time.
0: Well, you can, So our
2: class, our class was the first one that merged all together, see.
0: Well, you can certainly see how some things change and some things stay the same. Uh, I didn't find out a week later that I was drafted. I found out about 30 seconds before I was picked that I had been picked by the Redskins. But... Uh, when I first arrived in Minnesota, the first media member I met was Sid Hartman. So some things just don't change, <laughs>
1: and they still haven't changed. He's about to turn one hundred, Gene. As <laughs> we know, so Sid, Sid,
2: Sid has to be what is he? What is he about ninety nine yeah, now?
1: He is ninety nine, Gene. Yes, he is, and he's he still is. at every Vikings yeah. game. Yes, uh, you ended up being, yeah, you ended up coming here, and you got Clint Jones, your your college teammate, and a guy named Alan Page, all ending up in the Minnesota Vikings. And if you could talk just a little bit about those early memories of, of, of having that, uh, that class put together, which ended up being really the, the iconic class for the Minnesota Vikings during those early years?
2: Well, I, what, what I remember most of all is that uh, uh, having played against Allen when he was at Notre Dame and, of course, uh, played with Clinton, uh, we, we, had, we had a great class that year, and we were coming in mainly because the years the year before we were not doing real well and so after our first year things turned around and we started winning uh but it was uh it was a welcome change uh for the people up here because we 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 didn't do much winning before Mm -hmm. that class was brought on board see and uh we we all uh jailed and everybody we still communicate with each other the ones uh and, and so it was it was a fun group to be with and uh, we played. We played in that last college all-star game when we played. We played the Packers.
0: Oh wow! And uh,
2: they were national champions. I think you guys might remember that we played in yep. Chicago and the college all-stars. And, and I, I'm I'm glad they, they, they discontinued that game because uh, <laughs> it was it, it was a it was a tough tough outing for us. I tell you,
0: I can't imagine that the New England Patriots having come off a Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah. would then go line up and play against a group of college All-Stars who are just thrown together for one week, trying to play with a group that's been playing together for years. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, your your daughter, uh, Amaya, uh, it was it was my honor and thrill, Gene, to be involved a little bit with helping promote uh, Through the Banks of the Red Cedar, which Kirk can uh, obviously... Uh, um, also relate to because of the story of Michigan State University and I really encourage people to get a chance to to see this film and it's so it goes way beyond football and I'm sure you're very proud of your daughter that she got to work and write and direct this movie
2: oh yes i, I I'm very very proud of her for doing that it was quite a surprise that she wanted to do that uh, Bubba Smith had passed away and we were out at the funeral and everything a lot of the Spartans were out there and uh, she got a chance to meet all most of my teammates and all the and I had, I had, I had not had an opportunity to really share all that with her. So she was so moved by that. She said, Dad, I'm, a, uh, since, since she was in school at USC, she, she said, Dad, I think I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to make a documentary out of that. And she stayed mm-hmm. with it for over five or six years. And it's worked out real well because, uh, it's a great story. Uh, Duffy Doherty was really the key bringing all of, all of us from the South. And and to bring all of us from the south and to have the first fully integrated uh, football championship, the national championship, two years in a row and all. And also, you know, Michigan State and the, the the whole community was just was good. was just great led by Duffy in terms of bringing us all together, and it was really a family type situation. And uh, something I'll always I will I will always remember.
0: Well, the footprints of that team are all over at Michigan State. Um, you know, the football building where I went to work every day in college was called the Duffy Doherty Building. And the names Bubba Smith and Gene Washington are in our stadium up. Uh, there's only about six or seven names, and those are two of them, and, uh, and retired. So uh, very, very special. And you were inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame the year that I was coming out, uh, my senior year. And I was invited to attend the College Football Hall of Fame induction in New York City because of being a, a candidate for a separate award that is presented there at that event. And so we got to spend some time there as well, which was a very cool thing. But um, I love the title of the documentary, Through the Banks of the Red Cedar, because the, the lyrics of our fight song at Michigan State, the very first words are, On the Banks of the Red Cedar, and the Red Cedar River is what runs through our campus, and it's probably arguably the prettiest part of campus. And And so to say Through the Banks of the Red Cedar, I love that, because it really was <laughs> coming from Texas, coming from the south, to all that your life ended up becoming, it had to pass through that campus and uh, and that school had a massive impact on your life just like it did on mine. And so you have an incredible story, and uh, we're just so grateful that you were willing to come on this this show and tell your story. And when I think Gene Washington, I think one word, and that's class. Uh, you're pure, pure class, Gene, so thanks so much. And we'll see yeah, you this weekend, Gene.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see you this weekend. The big legends uh, reunion this weekend at uh, U.S. Bank, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to seeing a lot of your old teammates.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and, and I know you' gonna be there. Now, be careful; some of these guys might jump on you. You know,
1: <laughs> I'll have my head in a <laughs> swivel for some of
2: those names, yeah, the Purple People got, Eaters. Yeah, you got you got to be careful. You got Marshall and Page and all these guys, and some coming from the camp. Joe Cap is supposed to be coming. You That's know, the right. quarterback. You know that.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Gene, thanks much on behalf of Kirk and myself for spending some time with us uh, tonight. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right, we'll be right back uh, to preview the Oakland Raiders game right here on Under Center with Kirk Cousins. All right, welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, Mark Rosen, along with the quarterback. And, and Kirk, uh, the Oakland Raiders, a team that you're not really familiar with, AFC type team, and uh, a bit of an unknown. Uh, John Gruden, the, the flamboyant uh, head coach, is back now on the sidelines doing his Chucky thing. So, uh, your thoughts, early thoughts, and getting ready to be back at home against the Raiders this Sunday.
0: Yeah, it's certainly great to get back in front of our fans. Um, you know, the Raiders, as much as we are frustrated with the way this past week went, the Raiders have no, they don't care. I mean, they're coming in here loaded for bear and, uh, we have to be ready to go and, uh, play our best brand of football. But, uh, really, uh, from what I've watched on film, a good defense. They're going to give all kinds of looks and blitzes and coverages. They're going to be very multiple. The uh, defensive coordinator has worked with Mike Zimmer before, and so there's a lot of carryover with what we see in practice every day from Coach Zimmer and what we'll face from the Raiders defense, which uh, which also is an interesting you know, plot line there.
1: There's such a contrast, Kirk. The opening game against Atlanta, he started like a house of fire here at U.S. Bank. Nothing right. could go wrong. You just blew them out early. Yesterday, you get behind 21, uh, excuse me, Sunday, you get behind 21 nothing, and come back almost way as we covered the first section, almost come all the way back. Is there a happy medium here uh, that you're
0: looking for That probably get back to some sense of normalcy with an NFL game? The words any given Sunday really start to mean something when you see how these first two weeks have played out. But, uh, yeah, you'd like to think, you know, this game will settle in more and and have a more steady uh, approach. But, um, you know, the key is to just one play at a time, one quarter at a time, play our best football and, uh, and make sure that if we do our job, execute the plays, do what we're coached to do, not go rogue or get off from the plan. That the score will take care of itself, and, uh, and that'll be what our focus is all week long.
1: I mentioned John Gruden; uh, he was featured along with his team on Hard Knocks. I, I caught most of the episodes this uh, this year on HBO. Never a dull moment with John, but you've <laughs> had you've had your share of experiences with uh, with John over the years.
0: Yes, I have. Um, obviously, playing in Washington with his brother as the head coach, um, you know, he would come and watch practice a little bit in the spring, which was great to have him around, and then. Uh, Did the Gruden QB camp when I was coming out of college and had the chance to spend an afternoon with him, both throwing at a local school and watching film, which was really cool. Um, He really studies and knows his stuff around the league. But then uh, as I got further in my career, I believe it was maybe 2013 or 2014, uh, I just thought, uh, why not go back down and see him? And so I went down there to Tampa where he was – basically doing all of his, you know, that was home base for him and doing all his Monday Night Football preparation. He has a full film room there. And I thought, you know, he's a guy who wants to coach. Why not go wear him out and see how interested he'd be in, in coaching me up from what he saw from a distance? So really for, I think, three off-seasons in a row, I went down there and spent time with him for a couple of days. And my last year doing that actually brought some teammates. And it was just really, really positive. He's a great motivator. Um, because he studies the game so well, he had a lot of good thoughts for me. And I found that those days I spent with him were very impactful on my development as a QB as I came up in this league.
1: Does he do that much homework on every individual that he, he meets? He really series of those pieces that he's Yeah, done.
0: he really does. He studies the league. He gets in there early. Um, you know, there's stories about him being in there at 3.30 or 4 a.m., but He's the real deal. I mean, he's in there early uh to prep for Monday night football each week. He studies the entire league, obviously studies the games that he was calling and announcing. But uh in the off season he studies the college tape, you know, he he watched all the potential draft picks and so I remember we were there one, one off season and he pulled up uh he said, I got a cut up for you, you'll never believe this, but I want you to watch this guy, Patrick Mahomes. He said, I really? got this cut up of him from Texas Tech. He said, I don't know if his game's going to translate to the NFL or not, but when you look at what his arm talent is, he goes, I've never seen anything like this before. And we watched about 10 to 15 throws and it was just unbelievable. But you realize John had to go back and really watch a lot of football to pare it down to these 10 or 15 throws that he had cut up. And so, um, he knows his stuff. He's a grinder and, um, I, you know, he's played a big role in my development as a player and, and uh, now we got to go out against his team and and get a victory. Well, John's
1: words came back to bite him. He got a fistful of Patrick Mahomes on Sunday afternoon <laughs> uh, because we That's saw right. that that young man tear up that that Raiders defense. Can you when you watch a, a, you know the tape of that game, or can you learn mm-hmm. from some of that stuff? Sure. Or is it just Patrick Mahomes doing his thing.
0: Well, he's special. He's unique. Uh, what he can do, and and he separated himself. When you're anytime you're the league MVP, you know you're on a different level. But uh, certainly, you know you see plays that are there to be made and. Um, um, you know, you want to make them. And, and we just watched, you know, Denver as well against them. So we've got now two games of sample size, which is better than what we've had the last couple weeks, you know, having it more of a mystery as to what we're going to see. So hopefully that can help and uh, put, put together a good plan.
1: On the positive side of, uh, of the game against the Packers, not just the, the comeback, uh, we, we discussed it earlier on in case you missed it. Uh, Kirk uh, <laughs> took full responsibility for what happened at the end of that game. But, uh, you know, Came out of it pretty pretty healthy, I I think, other than uh, maybe a couple of nicks and bruises here.
0: Well, that's a big storyline that's very underrated as the year goes on. People see teams and they look at the Bears or the Vikings or the Packers and they just see them as that brand and that team and that uniform. But who is in that uniform ends up playing a big part in how the season shakes out. And so, not just at the quarterback position, but at every position, staying healthy and having your best players available late in the year can really change the conversation. Or vice versa, if you don't have your best players available, it can change the conversation.
1: Well, also maybe lost in the shuffle of everything going on, Alexander Madison, uh, he had a couple of really nice runs, including one which potentially set up the the game winner uh, at the end of that game yesterday on Sunday.
0: Oh, it was a great run. Uh, I was telling him on that drive, you know, uh, bring it. You know, I want to see you. It's worth it. Let's go. And um, he responded. He really had some great runs, and it was great to see him run hard with good low pads and, uh, really bring bring him himself to the uh, to the pile. So uh, I, I was I had a front row seat to his runs. It was great to see him get going. And I think as a rookie, when you have some productive runs like that, it helps build confidence, and you can kind of feel that snowball growing and rolling down the hill. So I think he's going to have a you know a better year as he goes forward. How do you avoid uh, the all the emotions that go into a game,
1: and then you got to turn it off and turn it back on yeah. as fans go through it. They have to wait till next Sunday. But as a quarterback, I mean, do you sleep well after yeah, Sunday I, night? No,
0: no uh, I, I don't. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. You sit there and you kind of stare at the wall, basically, and you don't even have an appetite to eat. You're so frustrated and upset. And then uh, you get up in the morning and you watch the film and you talk with the coaches and teammates about all of that. And then. You know, Tuesday's tough because while it is an off day and you appreciate the chance to rest and catch a break, you also feel like you're still having to deal with it. But Wednesday morning when you show up and you've got a new game plan and you've got Raiders film on the TV, um, it definitely allows you to move forward. But nothing helps you move forward better than a win. You know, when you go back you know on Sunday and if we can find a way to get a win, then you really feel like, okay, everything's right with the world again and uh, let's get back on track. So, keys to Sunday's
1: game are pretty simple when you get down to it. Again, the things you talked about, uh, third down conversions and red zone conversions.
0: Certainly, third down and red zone is a great place to start. You know, we had four turnovers against the Packers. If you turn the ball over four times, you just can't expect to win. So, protecting the football, um, obviously you have to take chances at times, and, and you've got to take calculated risks. But protecting the football, and um, you know, I really trust our special teams and our defense to, to carry their load. And so it's about our offense uh, being efficient and playing our best brand of football.
1: Well, it's a what have you done for me lately, Lee, Certainly. and all eyes will be on, on you on Certainly. Sunday afternoon back at home, and uh, you're embracing that opportunity to kind of reboot some things.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the chance to get the ball back in my hand, and, and you know, I don't know if make amends is the right word, but, uh, you know, put a better foot forward than what I did last Sunday, and um, it's unfortunate for me that I have to wait six days to do that, but uh, um, can't wait for that next chance.
1: Well, good luck on Sunday, Kirk. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening, everyone. Again, for uh Under Center with Kirk Cousins, we'll be back again next Tuesday night at 6 o'clock.